This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. So yesterday I did a little experiment with my one of my teenagers. Okay. okay. Um, Are you going to identify her? You don't know. Sure. Aaron. Okay. That's fine. All right. Um, actually, what's funny is Michelle, a couple of weeks ago, said, you know, you really shouldn't be airing your dirty laundry on, on, on the air. Oh, well, it's not on the air. It's a podcast. <laughs> exactly. It's digital. <laughs> it's zeros and ones, honey. Yeah. You just don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Granted, it's out there forever. <laughs> <laughs> so and, I, and when she starts putting her, uh, her, her case together for a parental <laughs> divorce, she has evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tucker Carlson and his texts. Yeah. That's exactly. what's going to come up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you, you mean you guys keep those texts? No. <laughs> oh. So anyways, I did a little experiment. I don't know if you went through this. In fact, I know you did, and you're probably still going through it. Uh, kids that are not particularly communicative. Oh, is, no, is, I would have no idea. Is that a word, like. communicative? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, just, yeah. they, they, uh, so I did a little experiment yesterday. I'm like, you know what? I am not going to initiate any conversation with Aaron the entire day uh-huh. and see if she, if I even hear her speak. Okay, so and I was there was you know I I do when she comes home from school I do the hey how was school yeah sure you know did fine you, yeah did you, did you learn anything whatever you no. know no right so I'm like you know what I'm not giving her the I'm just not going to say anything yeah. so she comes into the door I was out on, I was on the couch yeah come to the door I didn't say hello she didn't say hello yeah you know, she sits down next to me. Didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. Wow. I did not hear. I assume she still could speak, but I didn't hear one <laughs> utterance from her yesterday at yeah. all. You know, I have done an experiment like that similarly. Uh, in fact, I do it, I'd say about once a week. I sit down at dinner time, and apparently I'm responsible for all conversation <laughs> at dinner. You're the monkey. And if I don't talk, no, it's silence. Talk. Right, right. And there's five of us. <laughs> we'll just sit there and, you know. And nothing will be said. Actually, when Sean is here, he's a little chatterbox. He's a chatterbox. But the the other four, no. So you're kind of like the Simpsons. You ever see the Simpsons when they eat? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah very much like that. <laughs> and usually my comments are like, boy, this food is great. Yeah, right. well, Who cooked yeah, it? Of course, you made it, Dad. <laughs> That's about it. Is this Bolivian broccoli? Oh, my God. My God. This must have really been a right. difficult I thing went to, to the Woodman's. <laughs> Broccoli's 37 cents a bushel. Wow, you guys are so lucky to have dinner this good every night. Uh, but yeah, when I'm not speaking, everyone just assumes I'm depressed or something. Right. But, What's wrong, know, Dad? Yeah. yeah right. like, how about you? Right. You're not saying anything. Do you see this the, this, this curvature of the spine? That's from carrying these conversations for 30 years. Well, we've got a whole other one we've got to carry yeah. here. No. And it's, a, it's the show Minutia Man, which is up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opi production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. You know what I'm going to do this weekend? What's that? I'm going to not say anything, but I'm going to stare in her eyes and make compl- eye contact 100% of the time right there. <laughs> That's not a bad one. <laughs> just like, that. just, that just look at it. It's like, <laughs> and then she's going to crack. There's no doubt that she's going to. Of course, she's going to say what? Yeah. All right. Uh, Report back next week. Okay. We'll Report do. back next week. Rick, we got a hell of a show. We got to get cooking here. All right. Let's uh, roll it. So this story comes out of the great state of Vermont. Okay. okay. Wouldn't you love in political... You know how they always say the great state of whatever? Yeah. What about... How about the state that nobody really cares about? <laughs> well, yeah. well, like, or something like, you know, the good enough state of Florida or yeah. the... or the Yeah, yeah. or the... Or that we're slightly embarrassed <laughs> with our state of Florida. <laughs> yeah, right, you know. Or with Vermont, is like, oh, you guys are a state, aren't yeah. you, of, of Vermont? <laughs> Isn't that near New Hampshire? Vermont. 
Here's the headline. Fifth grade teachers replacing the terms male and female with person who produces sperm and person who produces eggs. Oh, for crying out loud. Fifth graders at an elementary school in Vermont Vermont, are being encouraged to avoid terms like boy, girl, male, female, and replace them with language like person who produces sperm and person who produces eggs. Isn't it embarrassing sometimes? Being a liberal. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm not going to defend it. No, I'm not either. Uh, So the principal, and I'm not making up her name, Sarah Jumplonsky, wasn't that the name of our... Heroin Jablonski. in uh, in, in South, South Side Story, yeah. the play we wrote about the Cubs and Sox fans. Right, Jablonski. Yeah, I just met a girl named Jablonski. So she and suddenly, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I remember all the songs. Yeah, I can't believe that didn't <laughs> that, that didn't still, take off. It could still happen. So she wrote a letter to the parents and said, in an effort to align our curriculum with our equity policy, teachers will be using gender inclusive language throughout this unit. They're doing a health unit. Um, with any differences, we strive to use person-first language as best practice. So just for one unit. Well, yes, but okay. But here's here's the deal. Okay, yeah. they're trying to promote. I, I think I understand the spirit yeah, behind yeah, this. I get it. They're get you know it. trying to promote right. inclusivity and diversity and all that crap. But <laughs> here's here's my problem: yeah. is in doing this, they are lumping all sperm in the same category. Oh, you know, like yeah. person. Who produces sperm? Well, is my sperm like your sperm? Well, let me ask you this. If we said the word sperm when we were in school, <laughs> wouldn't we have gotten in trouble? Well, my nickname was David, David Sperm. sperm. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's that makes sense. Really creative, guys. <laughs> I'm going to use that. So, but no, I mean, and, and seriously, they're, you know, all, isn't all sperm different? Sure. You know, you know, of course. My sperm. They're like snowflakes. Well, my sperm might taste like chicken. Okay. Oh my God! Here we go. <laughs> Your sperm might taste like sauerkraut. I, 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 I was going to say tortellini. Okay. With pesto. All right. Okay, maybe a little bit of gar. I don't know. I don't know what your sperm I think tastes. It's mostly sauerkraut. Okay. Uh, but what I do like is that they're also using this kind of strategy with their uh, history and geography curriculum. I'm also guessing they don't discuss taste while they're <laughs> discussing these uh, subjects. Okay, texture, <laughs> smell, whatever. I just used why taste was just the first one that popped into my mind. Okay. But they're using this kind of strategy um, for their history and geography curriculum. Okay. Okay. So now Germans oh, are now okay. referred to as people who are always 15 minutes early. Okay. okay. All right. I can live with that. Lutherans are now referred to as people who love coffee cake. Okay. Do you know the Lutheran and coffee cake thing? I don't know that. But Every uh, time I was invited to any kind of Lutheran event, yeah. they had great coffee cake there. Okay. I'm just going to make a general <laughs> okay. stereotype there. <laughs> right. Jewish people are now referred to those who shouldn't use a nail gun. A okay. nail gun. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's right. fair. Yeah. Right? And Kenyans are now referred to those who win every fucking marathon. <laughs> they do. <laughs> okay. So they do. those are now the terms that are being used in Vermont. At the Founders Memorial School. Okay. Thank well, you, Sarah Jablonski. And I can now exhale because I was worried where you were it was going. Gonna get, you, were yeah. gonna, you thought it was going to go a little too racist, Steve? I really was a little worried. It was fun racism, right? <laughs> I was a little worried. This was fun racism, okay. though, right? Yeah, I can live with that. All right. All right, I have a story for you. This is a uh, airline story. And uh, I, I can't really decide how I feel about this one. A Southwest uh, flight from Atlanta to Houston was delayed last week after a flight attendant allegedly refused to let the plane take off until rice spilled in the aisle by a passenger (laughs) was cleaned up. 
Southwest Airlines passenger Jennifer Shaper wrote about this uh, uh, in a bunch of tweets April 15th. She called it Rice Gate. She said that someone boarding the plane had spilled the rice. Now, she also put a picture on her Twitter page of the rice. And it wasn't like, you know, four grains of rice. It was like if you ever get a uh, enchilada plate and you have, you know, the enchiladas and then next mm-hmm. to it a giant pile of, yeah, you know, Spanish rice right, of some right, kind. Right, right. It was all of that rice. Okay. All in the aisle. So like a styrofoam container, one of the full yes. little compartments of rice. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, so uh, the flight attendant apparently was going up and down the aisle screaming, who spilled the rice? Walking up and down the aisles, refusing to leave the gate until someone cleaned up the rice. How much you want to bet that flight attendant had a German accent? <laughs> right? Was, was, was your mother? Well, let me you, just <laughs> say that that's pretty much exactly what my mother would say. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, in a follow-up tweet, uh, she said that when the stewardess was, I mean, the flight attendant was saying mm-hmm. this, it kind of made them giggle. Yeah. They thought it was funny. Yeah. And so once you, you're giggling, you're instantly one of the people that they think must a have suspect. Yes, right, a suspect. Yes, you're a suspect. One. Yeah, they looked at her suspiciously. In another tweet, she shared a video of the flight attendant making an announcement about the flight not taking off. Now, I have uh, I have that uh, tape here. Let me, let me get that for you. This is the uh, this you can kind of hear it in the, her voice. And by the way, not a German accent. Okay, but you can kind of hear the irritation in the voice. Here it goes. And the sorry, but you don't have to walk through it, and it won't be an eyesore. So we apologize, but again, I don't think you want to walk through it. So let us take care of this investigation before we leave. Thank you. Basically, what she's saying, right? right. Yeah, I got to take care of this now. Right. So we're not leaving. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm waiting for the person that did this to clean it up. Take a little accountability. Apparently not. Apparently, no one is uh, living up to their rice spilling. And uh, but wouldn't it be the people? It's in the aisle, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you think the people that are right? next to the or how uh, about you know how about somebody narking on him hey it was it was chuck it was this guy right here with uh with the hat i would have i would have thrown you right under the bus i know you would have um so anyway this is the story and and they didn't take off and then whatever why i mean while they were cleaning it up they didn't take off and then while she was cleaning it up some other passenger got up and used the bathroom which is against the rules oh, when you are in standby mode. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So they got very upset about that. And they uh, made another announcement. The pilot said, we're not taking off Until- because there's somebody in the bathroom. <laughs> and you know, this guy <laughs> or gal yeah, right. walked out of the bathroom with the whole. <laughs> I'm looking at him. <laughs> I just think this right. is a- I'm not the rice guy. I'm the <laughs> poop guy. Okay. He's the rice rice guy. I just think it's funny, but I maybe it's the German in me, but I think I'm on the side of the, of the, the flight, flight attendant. Absolutely. Yeah, like, right. Take up, your damn take, rice. Take responsibility. So anyway, yeah, yeah. that is the story, and it was a, a Southwest Airline flight, and if you want to look it up, it's kind of a funny chain of, uh, of texts, mm. I mean uh, tweets from a woman named Jennifer Shaper. Okay. It's all out there for you. Hey, we got a review here, and it's a real short one. Okay. And it, I think it's written by a young person. Okay. Maybe even under 40. Oh. O-M-G-M-M is L-O-L funny. Okay. That's the whole thing from G-Play on Podbean. Okay. So the, can you translate that for oh us? Oh, my God. Minutia Men is laugh out loud funny. Well, 
Huh? I, think, I think that everyone. Can but would it have killed that. you to use the actual words? Yeah, I know. Were you that busy, G play that yeah, you, I, you couldn't write out the full words? You know, my favorite one is when I text with my son, and uh, instead of saying okay. It's just K. K. I know. Because that extra O is oh, going to, right. Yeah. I'm studying here, Dad. I don't have the time. Who's got the time to do O and K? <laughs> All right. It's a time for another feature. We call this one. Time now for Studio Walls. And the words of the prophets were written on the studio walls. So one of my favorite shows on TV right now is John Oliver. Do you ever watch that oh, yeah. show on HBO? I, I don't usually watch. I watch the clips are all over. Yeah. Yeah. So I watch the, the highlights of it. It's one It's one show that my whole family gets together and we watch on Sunday nights. Last week tonight with... Right after Ed Sullivan. John Oliver. <laughs> right, right after Ed Sullivan. Um, but this week was John Oliver's birthday. Mm. And of course, you know, in the Studio Walls feature, we, we bring back people, uh, interviews that we've mm-hmm. done in the past. And... I'd love to play the John Oliver interview. Yeah, but he has not returned any of our emails. <laughs> he's never been on the show. But we have had people that have worked with him or been on the show with right. him, and including one of his writers, Josh Gondelman, mm-hmm. um, who is a comedian mm-hmm. and a, a very, very nice guy, very funny writer. One of the nicest. You can probably hear how nice he right. is in this. In right. fact, it's one of his bits that he's how, how nice, how nice, he, nice is. he is. Right, right. Um, and so this goes back during the. Uh, COVID? During COVID, because you're on the phone on this, right? When you were literally phoning it in. Do you remember that? (laughs) All right. This is uh, going back about two years. It's from episode number 178 of Minutia Men. And here it is. Now, the great thing about that show, and, and, you know, obviously you know how how great that show is, but, you know, the way they, every week they take that deep dive on a subject, which Mm -hmm. is something that no other late night show really does. How, how does that work in the writers' room? You've got, you know, you said there are eight writers. Um, do they like assign a topic? Do you you get sent out for to work on a specific topic for a few weeks? Because uh, obviously, there's a ton of research involved. Yeah, it's. I mean, there are the writers who there will be writers who are assigned. You know, a writer could pitch a topic and then have it kind of assigned back to them once it's approved. But sometimes the pitches will come from john or tim carvel uh an executive producer or through the there's a whole separate like research team oh okay. and so sometimes things will come through come through them as well so like the the teams on every story will be like two to three right of the big stories will be two to three writers uh a senior producer from the research side a a producer who works mostly with like footage and aggregating and culling and producing like what kinds of footage is available to as like to augment what john is actually saying um and so it's yeah the i think the process for those stories is the ideally four weeks from like approval to air and sometimes it's longer if there's like a longer lead stunt or waiting for certain information to come in and sometimes it's a shorter time like sometimes they'll do a a crash story that gets thrown together in you know uh, a week or four or three days or something when there's a story is just too big that you have to do it this week right well, that's just that sounds just like me and Rick. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. In fact, we started working on this show about a month ago. Right. It, so. it was pre-pandemic, and we, we just got lucky with the pandemic. Uh, you know. I think you're the first person I've heard say that. <laughs> um, you have won. What did you win? Four Emmys, two Peabody Awards, or yeah, uh, yeah good amazing. For you. Uh, 
Now, you know, you're just a kid from Massachusetts, you know, and all of a sudden you're walking the red carpet. You've got these, you know, these Peabody's and these Emmys. I don't know if you're carrying them around with you. I would, uh, <laughs> you know, um, this has just got to be a when you when you and you're only what are you? Thirty five. How old are you? Thirty five. Like, yeah. yeah. So he's a kid. He's a kid. He's a kid. And you, I mean, you have knocked it out of the park. And do you ever like think back and you're like, holy shit, you know, this is, <laughs> yeah. you know, how the hell did this happen? You know? And, uh, you know, I, we're proud of you, kid. Thank you. I mean, I feel, I try to f- make sure that I'm like in touch, not in a super like woo woo spiritual way, but just like in a very practical way, feeling gratitude for the, things that I've you know been able to experience and accomplish like in life and career just because like to not do that is real ungrateful it seems like to me and it's like it's the best way to feel good about them right is to like appreciate them and go man what what a what a good fortune that I've had that like my hard work has paid off in a way that it doesn't for everyone and that I've had these these really exciting and and lucky experiences to be like part of things that are bigger than me and to get to reap those kind of rewards is is like incredibly overwhelming still and gratifying and so i i try to be very like conscious of that and you i have periods of crankiness of like oh why didn't i get booked for this or why what could i not sell that and uh i think the the cure to it is like oh well i'm in this position where like my job is doing this creative work that i really like and find really satisfying so I should just like do more of that and, and feel very grateful for what I have. Yeah. He's a nice kid. Yeah. He's a nice kid. And he has, uh, gone on to other things too. I don't know if you even know this day, but I've been watching, uh, the new season of Mrs. Maisel. Uh, I, we're waiting for it all to get done. I can't, oh. I can't do the waiting for you a week. Can't? I, I have to binge watch. Their Bridget own. insists on the waiting. She really likes doing it yeah, that way. I but, can't. So he is now, uh, one of the consultants on Mrs. Maisel, he, he does the, uh, um, I think he's called the stand-up consultant, uh, teaching them how to do stand-up, the actors. Because oh, he's not, not on the show, but he's a he's Right, a bit he's in the, the credits. Yeah. I, you know, when I came in, I'm like, Josh Gondelman. Oh, yeah. I, we know him. Yeah, we've had him on the show. Yeah. But he is a, he's, a, he's a swell guy. Uh, you can check it out. It's episode number 178. Uh, we get into some more funny stuff, but this week I wanted to, Share you with the uh, with the stuff about John Oliver. John Oliver. Yeah. All right, I, I have something else to share for you. This kind of fits into the studio walls. Time now for Rick and Dave to open up that e bag of email. All right, this is an email I got just this morning mm-hmm. from an old radio pal of mine named Dan. He writes, "Mark Grace did a favor for my brother. We were driving and we listened to your interview with Roger Bennett in Arizona." Mm-hmm. We both loved it and bought the book, the Roger Bennett book. Oh. If you keep in contact with Roger, who I first saw on Morning Joe, tell that, tell him, tell that White Sox lover <laughs> that Mark Grace loved his book. Oh, and loved the interview. Wow, that's great. So I thought that was kind of cool. I wonder how uh, Mr. Bennett's doing with the White Sox right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're pretty bad. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably. I you saw ranking of the teams. The MLB has this ranking that oh, they put out. Are they the last? Week. Are they? No, they're second. either. Oakland tw- is the worst. They're 28th. Yeah. That's <laughs> not good. Yeah. As a Cub fan, let me just right. say, right. I know I know how you feel. You know, I've been trying to get Rick Hahn on the show. He's not responding to any. Uh... <laughs> do, you, do you ever tell the story on the. I don't think we've ever told the story 
when I was working in radio and I have this celebrity phone book mm-hmm. and you came over to my apartment one time when we were living in a downtown mm-hmm. And you saw Ron Schuler's name and number in the phone book, and you called up and left a message on his machine. And, yeah, and he called me back. He called you back. He called me back. At the and, time, he right. was the general manager of the, the White, White House. House. And yeah. I remember, I, I and he was the general manager for like a, a long, long time. time. Yeah. And I remember how, how I send the 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 email or the the voicemail to him. It's like. Hey, hey, Ron, Dave here, a longtime White Sox fan. Um, I just want to say I really, really appreciate your effort. I'm sure that's not. No, no. Listen, I was like, I really, really appreciate. It. I know it's not easy when you're starting a new job. Okay, you've been there for 14 years, and you know it's hard. It's hard. And I just started this really passive, aggressive, really mean voicemail. I know you probably thought Tim Raines would be a great right. Lead you know, man. but you know, but right? You know what? We make mistakes. Maybe you made 28 of them. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I used to have to hide my celebrity phone book when you came over. I remember I also yeah. got Tom uh, Mike, Mike Tom's Tom's act, right, yeah. and I left him a nasty message after he threw five interceptions. Yeah, yeah. So I I'd like to apologize. Oh, so to I'm Ron the bad Schuller. guy for him throwing five picks, <laughs> and I'd like to apologize to Mike Tomzak as well. Uh, do you have any do you have any more stories to share with our uh, readers? Yeah, um, Rick. I know that you're. What is your your biggest fear? is being buried alive in a coffin, right? Is that yeah. one, one of your biggest fears? Yeah. Well, I think I got another one that may... Oh, I might good. Put another oh, one another one. one. Great. Um, headline, bulldog puppy that chewed his owner's toe to the bone hailed as a hero. Hmm. A retired builder has told how his dog potentially saved his leg by chewing his toe to the bone while he was asleep, David Lindsay was taking a nap on his sofa, <laughs> taking a very deep nap. When his wife screamed, when his wife screamed, "Dave, the dog is gnawing your big toe!" and he looked down and it was just completely covered in blood. Oh okay? my god! So this bulldog, as dogs do, mm-hmm. you know, little Wessie, my mini poodle, <laughs> loves gnawing on stuff. By he, the way, before you finish this. Yeah. Uh, every time we do Zoom calls now, the dog is you have there. your dog there. Right. It's, he, it's yeah, like he's he's like a prop. Right, he's pretty cute. Yeah, so, well, um, whatever. So David Lindsay, like I said, taking a nap. This bulldog comes, literally chews his toe to the bone, um, blood everywhere, cracks the toe. He didn't feel it. Right, his wife screams, "Dave, the dog is eating your toe." Turned out that his foot was numb. Okay. Ah. How often is, uh, give me a, a ballpark percentage of how often your foot is numb. <laughs> About 73% of okay, the time. Don't get, I know you guys are thinking of getting another dog. Don't yeah. get another dog. So it turns out that while he was napping, I guess, the blood didn't circulate to his leg anymore. There was some blockage while he was sleeping. His foot got numb. They, that's how they found out about it. They had to go to the doctor, obviously, because, well, his toe was hanging by yeah. a thread. And then they did some tests, and they had to put, like, two stints in his, I don't know, heart or something or oh another. So the dog, by doing this... Saved his al- life. Saved his life. Or at least his leg. At least his leg, right. Now, as somebody who takes some pharmaceuticals to go to sleep at night, uh-huh. you know, between... A, yeah. And a little melatonin, a little ambient, a little yeah. edible, a little not, not that you have a problem. <laughs> right. I'm worried that, you know, little Wes is a cute little puppy, but if he gets his chance, who knows what's going to happen, right? <laughs> you know, I I outlived my dog, Ivy. Um, we put her down last mm-hmm. year. I still miss her. About a year ago, actually. Yeah, right? but I have to say, 
Uh, I'm glad she went before me because there were times when we were wrestling around. Uh, you know, did he give you? A, did she give you a look like? It would, there were times yeah. where all of a sudden she'd give me a look like, you I could, know, I could kill you and right, eat you, right. and and yeah. nobody can stop right, me. Right, right. And there's not a jury that's going to convict me, right? Because I'm a pit bull. Exactly. All right, I have a story for you that's also in the animal pain category. Mm-hmm. This is about stings, and we should rest uh, rest in peace, Justin Schmidt. Justin Schmidt, who was he? He was a man who chronicled descriptions of 78 entries of ant, bee, and wasp stings and created something he called the pain scale for stinging insects. All right, he passed away this week, and I know the first question you're going to ask, no, he did not get stung. There was nothing nothing like that. I think he had Parkinson's, right? Um, But here's what he did. He, He wrote a book called The Sting of the Wild in which he rated how much stings hurt okay and he would seek it out he'd look for different kinds of insects ants bees whatever that he knows stung and he would cover his body in them or he'd let them Mm. crawl on him or he'd mess with a hive or whatever and he has a list of all the taunt he'd taunt the insects yes but the best part about this is not just the rating he'd rate them between one and four but he would describe what it felt like okay and I'm going to read you something. Okay. Sorry, these are one of these uh, at each of the ratings that he had, one through four. All right, here is a level one: the anthrophorid bee, level one. Mm-hmm. The sting feels almost pleasant. Mm-hmm. A lover, just bit your earlobe a little too hard. Oh, okay, that's kind of nice. Okay. Right? Don't <laughs> do not touch my ear. I'm very sensitive with my ears. Do well, not. then stay away yeah. from that kind of a bee. Do right? not like anybody touching my ears. The bullhorn arcacia ant is a level two. That's a rare, piercing, elevated sort of pain. Someone has fired a staple into your cheek. Okay. That's what that feels like. Okay. All right. right. That's level two. Level three, the redheaded paper wasp. Okay. All right. Immediate, irrationally intense, and unrelenting. This is the closest you will ever come to seeing the blue of a flame from within the fire. (laughs) Okay. That's not a good one. Pretty descriptive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then bullet ant level four. Bullet. Bullet uh, ant. Uh, yeah. All right. Pure, intense, brilliant pain, like walking over flaming charcoal with a three-inch nail in your heel. <laughs> that is... But the, see, that wouldn't be bad with you because you don't feel anything on your heel. I don't. So, but bees scare the hell out of me because yeah. I'm allergic to bees. Um, and Do you like blow? Do, do you like completely blow I up? I've had to be hospitalized. Have you really? Yeah. When was this? In 1978 was the Were, last time. Did and you I, like blow up like a I, yeah, like an inflatable? I, yes. I got bit in the hand. My hand became like the size of like yeah. a gorilla uh, yeah. or something. And then I started having You can breathe. Breathing. Right. right, yeah. But here's the thing. Um, this past week, there was a, a, a bee incident right. also at the Mexican Open Golf. You sent me this. This <laughs> is kind of cool. Uh, listen to the, the play-by-play guys and the... Uh, and the depth of their concern. All right, here we go. Forget this was the sixth hardest hole. Uh-oh, what's happening here? What was that? Oh, get down. They're all squatting. They're being swarmed right now with bees. Oh my goodness, guys, I'm lucky. I'm about uh, 150 yards away. 
but all the players. <laughs> That's great. I, I, I've never seen this, seen this before. <laughs> That's the most unusual thing I've ever seen on the golf course. Everybody just hit the deck. They're just laughing I at them. I love guys. Don't you? <laughs> guys are the best. We are, we have no compassion whatsoever. Right? You get hit in the head with a nail gun. <laughs> That's funny. That's fun stuff. Okay. Anyway, that that is the and if you want to buy that book, by the way, I'll give it to you again. It is called The Sting of the Wild, and I'm actually thinking of getting that because of oh, a little yeah, fun reading. I'd like to so know. when I was at U of I, yeah. um, remember Evan Scholar? Yeah, that was the uh, fraternity fraternity the, of golf caddies. Golf caddies, yes. right? And um, they had a couch or like a chair outside of their Place. You know what? I vaguely remember this. Right. And we're just, you know, we're, I don't know if you were with me or not. And I was just goofing around and I went and sat in the chair. I sat in the yeah. chair. And then all of a sudden, I started, I got stung by like <laughs> nine wasps. And the reason they put it out is because there was a wasp's nest in the chair. Now, I don't know how that happened. I didn't ask. But I got, I must have gotten stung like eight times in, you know, I, I think you might have been making fun of the Evan Scholars guys. Yeah. And it, it was only fair. All right. Time for another feature. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where we share uh, brushes with greatness stories. And usually for the last, I don't know, year or so we've been reading emails from people mm-hmm. but this week uh there were two big celebrity deaths this week mm-hmm. uh jerry springer yes, passed right. away mm-hmm. and harry belafonte oh they also no, he also that. died yeah. and i have a story that ties those two together wow so how often is that going to happen right so i have to share it with you uh this goes back to like 1997 or so okay i was producing john landecker show at the time and the big story in the news that week was Channel 5 in Chicago, NBC, hired Jerry Springer to do commentaries. Well, on the news. On the right, 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 right. Now, this really ticked off the respected news right. people. Carol Marine and Ron Majors, were right. the they were the newscasters on the 10 o'clock news. Carol was so upset, she quit immediately. Yeah. Um, and then you'd think that that would have deterred the guy who came up with the idea of putting Jerry Springer on there. Uh, his name was Lyle Banks. He was the president of NBC. No. It did not deter him. Then Ron Majors also quit. They both ended up at other stations in town. But the day after, the morning after Ron Majors quit, we got him on the phone. Okay. On the Landecker Show. And I wrote a song about this incident. To a Harry Belafonte. To a Harry Belafonte song. You know the song, Dale, the Banana Boat song? I wrote the lyrics to this. Vince uh, produced it right before the show. And we played it for Ron Majors on the air. And, you know, when am I ever going to get a chance to play this song? For Never. Again? Right. right. So this is begging both of them dying in the same day. <laughs> I you, mean, you, they're you know, asking for right. it. The universe. Right. Is the only thing is if Ron Majors had also passed away, he's still with us. Uh, thank God. But. I just saw Ron Majors on television. He's a poker player. Oh, I and he that. was in, on the Whitney City Classic. He was playing poker. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, my, oh, my God. Well, in 1997, we got him on and we played this song for him. Majors, Majors, Majors gone, we can watch him no more. 
think is how much effort for this was just a one bit for the radio one show bit. yeah for so for a minute and 40 seconds or whatever yeah. it was how much time did you put into that uh we did it that morning really yeah now i i wrote the words but vince is the star of right. that i mean that he he did all the vocals you know the the um harmony yeah, yeah, yeah. and he laid well, down the did, was landecker the lead in that or no no landecker wasn't part of it at all that was vince that was vince wow, all vince that was really and vince is the guy that does all the jingles that we play right. here on our wow, show wow that was really good uh, rest in peace jerry springer rest in peace harry belafonte keep enjoying your retirement and poker games ron majors and john landecker evidently is in great health too and I john landecker is doing, doing great too. Yeah. we should say that all right, we have some people to thank. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of uh, Minutiaman. The preceding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up?